Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Shape us and mold us. Would you cultivate our mind and our heart to follow after Christ? And everything that we do, everything that we put our mind toward would be the things of God. It would be the things that pertains to your kingdom. For you have said that where our treasure is there, our heart shall be also. And I pray that today, Lord, may our treasure be in the kingdom of God, where Christ is, the rule and reign of our Lord. And may our mind gravitate there, and that we will find peace, and that we will find purpose and life where your Son is. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I was sad. I was devastated that what I had in my mind was not the truth. And now that I learned the truth, I wish that I didn't know it. I wish that I held on to my previous belief because the truth was so hard to accept. Your mind is a powerful thing. It is the, the locus of control. It is the center of control of everything that's going on in your life. And if we don't pay attention to how our mind works and behave and operate and think and know whether the things that we know is the truth or the things that we know are false, we are living under some pretenses. I'd rather not know the facts of the matter. After a week, I'm beginning to be with the facts. That is because you look at what the Bible teaches. The truth will set you free. These things are in our lives. In the end, they will all go away. And then we will stand before Christ at the end. God is only interested in one thing. Did you know Jesus Christ? Did you know my son? Did you have a relationship with him? Did you know the truth? How can a person have a renewed mind? We all come from a mind that has been shaped and cultivated by our family by the culture, by the schools. And then we come to know the Lord. We come to know the gospel. And then our mind should be renewed by what the gospel brings to us. It should change how we think and how we perceive things. And the apostle tells us that our mind, the spirit of our mind has to be renewed. And today we want to look at what our mind is and how can we renew our mind in the perspective and in the teaching of the gospel. How a person behaves, how you behave, depends on what you think. The senses that you feel are meaningless until your brain interprets those senses. When you take your brain out and you only have your eyes, you look at things, it makes no sense. What you see is interpreted by your brain and only by your brain. Or to put it another way, the Christian believes that we not only have a brain, but we have a mind. I want to separate these two thoughts because we take it for granted sometimes. If you are a materialist in a philosophical sense, you don't believe in the mind. You don't believe in the soul. Christians, we believe that there is a soul and we believe that there is a mind. What that means is that the mind and the brain are two distinct entities. There's a brain that facilitates the thoughts and the thinking, and there's the mind that makes sense out of those thoughts and thinking. And the apostle is talking not about the brain here. He's talking about the mind. The spirit of the brain is the mind. What we see, what we perceive, what we hear, what we touch, your pain, when you have a cut in your, the hand does not feel the pain. 
It is your brain that interprets that sensory, and then you feel the pain, and then your mind connects the pain that your brain feels with your experiences, and then you go, "Ouch!" That is the connection between your brain and your memory or your experiences that makes up who you are as a person. There are certain individuals who cannot feel pain. It's because the brain doesn't have the mechanism to allow them to to have that sensory, or they don't have the memory. If you go into surgery, for example, they will give you a memory blocker. The memory blocker will allow you to not feel pain, because memory is a part of pain. When you feel pain, it's when your memory connects with your experience that produces the pain. So your mind, in effect, is is very powerful. It, it is the The central, the locus of control of everything that defines who you are. Somebody who is very tolerant of pain can live with someone who is very intolerant of pain. You see a kid who bump into something and hold his hands, start crying, or you see a kid jumps down, hit the head on the ground like Sarah, and stand back up and said, "I'm okay." The mind that interprets how we experience and feel certain sensory. So your mind. Is the center of control, and if you can change your mind, if your mind is renewed, then your life is changed. When the Reformation happens, why don't you tell the people to get rid of their idols, their statues, a way of worship, because they're coming out of Catholic faith? And this is what Luther said: they won't understand what they do until they make up their mind to get rid of the idols. Then that is true. But if you force people to do certain things that they don't understand, they can unlearn those things, and it won't stick. So, if you want to change a behavior, you don't change the outward actions; you change their mind. That, I believe, is the focus of what Paul is saying here. You got to explain why. You got to change the mind. When they understand, then they themselves will change their behavior. What the apostle Paul wants to do here, he he wants to tell us, not changing our behavior. It's not because I want to make you go to church. No one makes you go to church. It's a mind. Ultimately, you can't force somebody to go if they don't want to go. They have to have the mind has to be renewed, and then they want to come and worship the Lord. In Jeremiah fifty one seventeen, every man is brutus by his knowledge, meaning every man is like a beast according to his knowledge. If your mind is like an animal, then you behave like an animal. Remember the story of Nebuchadnezzar. When his mind, God changed his mind. He got on on all fours and lived like an animal. Eat grass, stay outside, and then when God changed his mind, he became a king again. A Christian different from an unbeliever on how his mind interprets the world around him. When the Spirit raises the sinners from A life of death into a newness of life. Your behavior, your action, everything has to change. When my mind was renewed, I came home and I threw away all of the old stuff that's in my life. When your mind is changed, you no longer want or want to do the things that the flesh used to do, and you want to learn about God. You want to learn about the gospel. You want to preach the gospel. Knowing God is life. John seventeen three. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Our mind is designed by God, was created by God, so that we would know Him and we would live. 
what happened is that when your mind has been corrupted by the devil or the serpent that was in the garden, he attacked, the serpent attacked Eve's mind. Did not God say it was not the serpent wrapped itself around Eve and forced Eve to take the fruit and eat it? The attack was on the mind. And so Eve willingly and by her own will took the fruit and eat it. Satan knows that it's your mind that will control you. So all he needs to do is control your mind. And now you are controlled by the devil. Think of zombies. Everyone knew it's your mind. When the devil or aliens or zombies controls your mind, then you are under the influence of another force. Well, the Christian mind, who is controlling your mind? Is the gospel the the source and authority and control of your mind, or is YouTube controlling your minds? Are you getting your cues from people on the internet telling you how to behave, what to do, what to say? How did that influence you and shape you and make you become a subject of that authority? We have become cognitively enslaved to the internet culture, to what we see online. Take back control of your mind. Selectively take things or receive things and remove things from your minds that should not be there. Your mind is a valuable, precious, but it's also very vulnerable to influences. These things get into the core of the human being. When someone controls your mind, like the devil controls Eve's mind, then Eve lost her own control and lost God's control of her life. And therefore, Eve infected or affected Adam and both of them were kicked out of God's divine authority. After Eve's mind was corrupted, she no longer was able to see, understand God. And therefore, God could not communicate with her anymore. And so Eve and Adam was kicked out of the Garden of Eden because they no longer have the mind capable of understanding God. So therefore, they cannot live with God anymore. That was our condition. And so when light came into the darkness, the Gospel of John says darkness cannot comprehend God, cannot comprehend the light. There's no facility there's no mind to understand God because the only mind that we had after the corruption was the mind that understood the serpent and no longer God. So now we are separated from the life of God and therefore the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses. We cannot understand God calls and we cannot hear him because our mind is corrupted. The language of God, we no longer had the ability to understand. So God is still speaking the word of God is everywhere, but we could not understand. Note, as I said, the word of God. Who was the word of God? It was Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came into the world, the word of God, we could not understand him because we no longer have the language of God. We no longer understand the language of God. But God sent his word into the world. John fourteen six. Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus was sent by God into the world, but we could not understand him. So the work that Jesus Christ did when he was in the world was to open our minds and taught us the language of God so that we can understand him again. He did this 
in the beginning with the 12 disciples. He went around and used all language for you to understand a foreign language. What you need is a bridge language. If you don't understand anything, if you're a child, you need to learn your mother language. And that language allows you to learn other languages. For Christ to communicate with us God language, he came and he spoke to us in our human language. And with the human language, now we can have access to God's language. But can you learn God's language through a human being? You need to learn God's language through God. But how can God communicate with us? He can't because we can't hear him. So how does God resolve this dilemma? He gave us the Holy Spirit through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was God and was man. And therefore, he became the interpreter, God and man. Through him, God spoke. And through him, he spoke our human language. And so we understand because he became the spiritual interpreter of God's divine language to us. That is the role of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we came to him and we don't listen to him, his words, we do not, when we cannot understand God's language. So we must know, we think we know the language of God, but we never had an interpreter. We never knew exactly what it meant. And no one knows what God is saying. That's why Jesus says, I am the only way. So unless you listen to Jesus Christ, unless you learn, unless you learn Jesus Christ, when the disciples up on Mount Tabor, the transfiguration, and people just said, let's make this uh, uh, three tabernacles. And then there was a voice coming from heaven. And that voice says, this is my son. Listen to him. Don't think out of your tradition and your cultural bias. Listen to my son. He has the heavenly language. He has, he knows me, and he will teach you who I am. So we need to go back and learn God through Jesus Christ, not through our tradition. There are people who says that, oh, God is in my heart. So I don't have to be at church. I can just worship him in my heart. Well, that is not scriptural. If that is the case, then why would Jesus establish his church? God only reveals himself through Jesus Christ. We need to get back to Christ to learn about God. And the only two ways for us to learn about God, one is from the Word of God, the Bible, and two, from the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is the seed. The Holy Spirit makes that Word become alive to us. That's the only way. We do need the church because we need the church to tell us whether something we are doing is right or wrong. You can head down the wrong road and you go around and you're thinking you're saying to people, Happy New Year. In fact, you're asking them to give you money. Life, your life, life meaning the knowledge of God, is hid in Christ. So your life is hidden in Christ. So for you to get your life, you have to come to Christ, and he has to reveal your life to you. And number two, it can only be revealed through the gospel. The apostle Paul says, how can you be saved? Or how can they listen unless the gospel is being preached? That is why I'm standing here and doing this. Unless the gospel is preached, then that mystery cannot be revealed. Are you interested in theology? Are you interested in becoming someone who devote their lives to the gospel? And what I get back is, I'm not sure yet. Let me use this time to encourage you because the only ministry, the only work that's worthwhile 
for the Christian is the study of God, theology. Now, you can be whatever you need to be. I am, aside from studying the, the scripture, I, I have my own job. I have, I'm bivocational, and I encourage you to be so. But think about the study of God as the primary focus for you so that you can preach the gospel. It doesn't have to be on the, in the pulpit, but on the pulpit, that would be cool. It could be anywhere. If you understand the gospel, if you understand, if you learn God, then you can speak about him with authority and with knowledge. God reveals Jesus Christ. God reveals our life through Jesus Christ, and we need to come to the gospel, to the word of God, and the word of God preach. We understand the preaching of the word of God. Now we understand the language of God. Now we have life. Because without this connection with God, we don't have life. We need to know the language of God, to communicate with God, to be with God. Then we have life. To be separated from God is to have no life. To be in hell from this perspective was to keep God out of your life. Hell is the place where people kept God out. You can be living in hell right now by keeping God out of your life by building a fortress and keeping God out of your life. That's what hell is. Keeping God out of your life is to be ignorant of God. You don't want to know anything of God. That is hell. Let's get to how do you get your mind renewed? Your mind ultimately determines what you will do. Will you worship God or will you not worship God? Your mind determines whether you should be a carpenter, be an engineer, be a historian, be a philosopher, it's your mind, or computer scientist, or maybe it's money. It is ultimately what you believe determines what you will do. Whether you are going to be spiritually minded or you're going to be carnally minded, where's your mind? Is your mind focused on God or is your mind focused on living a good life? Learning is the basis of all knowledge. If you don't learn, you will never acquire knowledge. Knowledge shapes the mind. What you know shapes what your mind will become. The mind interprets your senses. As your mind grows and as your mind develops more senses, you begin to feel and know more things. And then your mind shapes what you believe or don't believe. And our beliefs guides our actions. So ultimately, knowledge ends up guiding what you do or what you won't do. If you spend your time learning whatever you are learning, those things acquire the knowledge and then ultimately make you do or cause you to do certain things based on what you invest your time in learning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you see your lack of understanding of God? Do you see that your soul is ignorant? Or do you see that you don't have any education on your soul? If you do, then the Bible promises you that if you are thirsty and you're hungry, God will fill you if you come to the Lord. Desire for knowledge is the grace of God. The fact that we are here, we want to learn something about God. And that is the grace of God that causes us to want to learn something about God. I had no interest. I had zero interest in history. But one day, I'm interested in history. I tried to figure out what was the trigger. I couldn't figure out. I can't pinpoint what the trigger was. It's just one day, boom, I'm interested. How is that? It must be something I'm not cognitively thinking about. 
It must be some influence that I am not aware of, but I attribute that to that's the grace of God. God somehow put it in my heart to want to pursue that interest. Is, is God putting into your mind right now the interest in knowing God? That is the grace of God. If you are interested in the knowledge or the things of God, then it is the grace of God, and it must be the grace of God that leads people into the study of God. To get your mind renewed, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. A couple of things that you pick up here. Number one, you heard of him, meaning him is Jesus Christ. You've been taught by him, meaning him, the Holy Spirit. The truth is in Jesus. Our education, the renewed mind, begin with hearing him. That's what you're hearing today. The second part is being taught by him, meaning the Holy Spirit is operating in your mind right now. You can be sitting here, you can be listening to this, you can be nodding your head, but you are not listening because your mind is elsewhere. The Holy Spirit does not have control over your mind or you have not yielded control of your mind to the Lord. The truth is only in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit only speaks of the Son. That's all he does. Why does the Holy Spirit only speak of Jesus Christ? Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So the Holy Spirit only speaks of Christ. Now, you have a spirit. Imagine this. Someone take your spirit from you, remove their, your spirit from you, and put it some other place. What do you think the, your spirit will do? What do you think your spirit will do if your spirit is removed from you and put it into another place? It will die. Therefore, it will find its way back to you because your spirit and you is one. So the Spirit of God was sent when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. The Spirit of God is with us. What do you think the Spirit of God wants to do? The Spirit of God wants to return to God. And so if the Holy Spirit is in you, you are drawn back to God by His Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. And ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Number one, to have your mind renewed, Paul says, put off your old self. Put off the dead works. You cannot learn from Christ if you are learning everything else before or in the middle of learning Christ. You cannot do multiple things. You cannot have your mind carnally minded and spiritually minded. Cannot be. You got to put off your old man. He said here, old woman or kid. You got to put off your old self so that your mind can now be free and be clean so that you can have a renewed mind. Activities are the things that we need to put off concerning our old selves. For example, ungodly thoughts, anti-biblical views and actions, useless, inconsequential works that are, have no value eternally. We need to put off those things. Of course, you still need to go to work, you still need to have a living, but you should, not, you should spend the bare minimum amount of time invested in those things so that the most amount of time you have will be invested into the kingdom of God. Let's first talk about what activities we need to get rid of. Number one, Ezekiel 18.31 says, cast away from you all your transgression. Sin needs to go. All the sin needs to go before you can have a renewed mind. 
if you're still holding on, I'll say, well, we can't transgress. Sometimes somebody does something to us and we get angry and we shout at them and we even curse at them. Go and repent. We cannot have sin reign in our bodies. Sin needs to go. That's the first thing that needs to go. Remind a renewed mind begins with a clean mind and sin taints and pollutes your mind. It will not allow you to learn anything and God will not teach you. If you pollute the temple of God, the Holy Spirit cannot reside in you. He said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Cast away your sin. If it gets onto you, flick it off. Just like you walking down the, down the road and someone run past you and here comes a puddle of mud, gets on you. Are you going to live with that? No, you go home, you wash it off. You don't live with that. Sin is like that. We need to purify our conscience that we walk in holiness. I do understand, actually. I do understand why some of us continue to live in sin. It's because we don't believe that God is holy. If we do believe that God is holy, then we will change our lives. But yet, we continue to live in sin because we can justify it, because we think that God doesn't care. Or we have a distorted view. If your mind is distorted, then you have a distorted picture of who God is. And that's not the mind of Christ. Paul puts the world in opposition of the kingdom of God. Here's the world. Here's the kingdom of God. And he said this in Romans 12.2. And be not conformed to the world. If you are conformed to the world, then you don't have a renewed mind. Or you can't have a renewed mind. The Christian must cast away the deeds and conduct that molds your action. Those things that cause you to do things compulsively and antithesis to God, we need to cast those things away. Number two, purging dead works requires the purging of the dead works from your mind. Not only your action, but your mind. In Hebrew 9.14 says this, Purge your conscience from dead works and serve the living God. Purge your conscience, the things that are in the back of your mind. We need to purge those things from dead works. For example, do you have unforgiveness? Do you hate people? Do you have things in the back of your head when you think about someone, evil thoughts come out of your, of your mind? We need to purge those things. The conscience involves unholy thoughts and thinking regarding things that are not pleasing to God. Here are some of the things that we need to put our mind into practice of. The Apostle Paul in verse 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. When you have unholy thought, when your conscience and when your mind is not purified, then the devil has a foothold in your mind. It controls you or he controls you. So clean your mind from dead works, purge your mind from these evil conscience, and don't give the devil any place in your mind to control you. Second, number two, learn and practice Christ. Ephesians 4.24, continue on. And that ye put on the new man. Notice, in verse 22, it says that ye put off the old man. And then in verse 24, it says, then put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Something we must do, it is up to you and I, is to put off the old man, just like an old garment, a no shirt, a no jacket. The beggar, when Jesus Christ came to him, Jesus Christ healed him. He took off his coat and he followed Christ. It's an action that we need to take. And taking off the old man, purging that works, but then we need to put on Christ. We need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, and put on the new man, which is after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. True holiness. A renewed mind is one that's continually learning Christ. Are you interested in Jesus? Are you interested in the things of the kingdom? Is your mind renewed? Do you put on Jesus Christ? The O involves, and you can see this, let me summarize it for you in the rest of this chapter, lying, 
stealing, wrath, anger, malice, bitterness, vulgar, rude. So these things, these old things, we need to stop doing them. Giving the devil room. Are you giving the devil room? What kind of music are you listening to? Are you making room in your mind for these devilish music that we are putting into our mind? Are we giving the devil's room? What kind of movies are you watching? What are the friends that you are interacting with? Are you giving the devil some room in your life, in your mind? We need to be careful. Grieving the Holy Spirit. You're listening to someone curse the name of Christ and you chuckle, you laugh. Will you stand in that company? Unforgiveness, resentment. Here's the new. Truth, diligent, generous, mine. How dare you touch my stuff? Encouraging, edifying, ministering grace, and putting away the old. Kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. All this I'm summarizing from the rest of this chapter. We need to identify and put away those things that are old so that this vessel, your vessel, becomes clean, purified, so that you begin the transformation process of your mind. If you still have these things, we need to reconsider. Have we put off the old man so that God can renew the mind? Lastly, once we have purged the works, learn and practice Christ, then we can come into the last stage, and that is teach and preach Christ. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. A renewed mind leads to the life of devotion to God, a servant of Jesus Christ. I begin this process by memorizing the scripture. What's in your mind determines what you think and how you think and when you think certain thoughts. If the scripture fills your mind, it fills your heart, it fills your life, and it fills your action. Someone do something that's hurtful to me. I can't hold a grudge because the word of God says, but with forgiveness. If that's in my mind, I can't hold unforgiveness. Otherwise, I would be actively fighting against God or fighting against the word of God. So the word of God controls our mind. The word of God is actually the first and last thing that we should put in our mind as a foundation to change our mind. All of us do carry a bunch of Bibles in our pockets, don't we? But how often do we open the Bible and figure out whether our actions match up with what the Bible says? Even though the power of search is in our pocket right now, we can search for anything, but do we? Put it into your mind. Your mind will automatically recall the Word of God when you memorize it and recall it to your mind so that you will walk and it's always in here. You don't have to rely on Google or Bing, DuckDuckGo, EcoSearch. Put it into your mind. Make it part of your memory so that when things happen, when you encounter situations, it's already in your mind. You can recall and you can act and behave accordingly. A transformed life have new spiritual mandates. When God transforms your mind, it's for a purpose. And this is what God's purpose for you. That is to seek and understand the gospel of Jesus Christ for yourself. You need to understand the gospel. You need to understand Christ so that you can preach and teach him to others. Because without Jesus Christ, no one can come to God. Without coming to God, there is no life. Without life, there is no eternity with God. That's our mandate.
A transform, a renewed mind begin with us putting away the old, putting on the new, and putting the word of Jesus Christ as the foundation for our thinking. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, would you give us the grace, give everyone here the grace to begin to gravitate our minds and our thought toward you so that we can have the love for your word, have the love for the things of God. Only you, Father, only you can give us the grace so that we can be interested with our, our minds into the things of God. And I pray, Lord, to help us to begin to deconstruct and take apart those things that are against the will of God, that we are acting and behaving and living our lives today, so that we can begin by putting on the new person, transform and mold and shape in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can begin to come to you and begin to learn and the mystery of the kingdom of heaven will be open and revealed to, to us so that we can be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, in this life, to others. That when we speak, we speak the word of Christ. When we forgive, it is because the power of the gospel is operating in us to say that our lives, Lord, is but a vessel that you will use that you will convey forgiveness, you convey love in spite of the weaknesses and even our own memories. Help us, Lord, to be the vessels that is pure, that is sanctified for the Master's use. May each of us become this instrument, this holy, righteous instrument that you will graciously use to bring many back from the gate of hell to the gate of heaven. We thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you have done and what you continue to do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.